All right, welcome to Jetstream Live. Uh, super excited to have our guest with us here today. We've got Skylar Reeves. Welcome to Jetstream Live, and thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me, Mike. Glad to be here, man. Yeah, really excited to uh, learn more about uh, what you're up to. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your company and uh, what type of work you do? Yeah, so um, I'm the founder and CEO of Arden Growth. Arden Growth is a content intelligence agency. We kind of within that sub niche of content marketing, we really focus on uh, driving leads with a heavy emphasis on conversion um, and like targeted okay. traffic for brands um, heavily backed by data. We're, we're big proponents of, of having data to drive our decisions. Sorry, Skylar, I lost uh, sound there for a second. Uh, just give me one second. This is part of sure. doing uh, things live. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Can you hear me? There you go. Sorry if you don't if you don't mind repeating that. I'm sure everyone that was listening uh, heard that, but if you don't mind sharing that again. Sure. Yeah. So um, Arden Growth, we're a content intelligence agency. Uh, it's like a subgroup of content marketing. Um, our heavy focus is on creating conversion focused uh, content for B2B brands, some B2C, um, where we try to back everything as, as possible as we can with with data at scale. So very cool. That that's awesome to hear. That uh, you know, I've never heard of that before. What did you call it? Content intelligent agency, intelligence agency. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a blend between business intelligence and content marketing. So you you are the CIA, <laughs> the content intelligence <laughs> agency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very very cool. Uh, so we're here to talk about why uh, companies fail or why SaaS companies specifically fail with content. Uh, if you don't mind, can we just kind of jump into that and, and uh, yeah. talk about why they do fail? Yeah, so, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little clickbaity, right? But I mean, I think that it really depends on the type of SaaS company, where they're at in terms of their stage of, of awareness. But what we've seen kind of by and large across the board that I think the major problem is, is either the topics that they're choosing um, are not... Uh, like specifically buyer intent focused, right? So they'll create content that's going super top of funnel that isn't, uh, that has no buying intent behind it. Um, and they think they need to do this because that's what, you know, Salesforce or HubSpot um, happen to be doing, right? But they're not Salesforce or HubSpot. Um, and then the other major reason would be like the actual content itself um, is not like, it's just not good. It's very superficial, mm. very light. Um, it, you can tell it's not written by product experts, right? So when you're thinking about who the buyer is, right? Like who, you know, if you're if you're a CRM or if you're email marketing or not, and you're targeting a, um, you know, a head of content or a um, head of sales or anything like that, like they can tell that who wrote that content wasn't a product expert. Like they're mm -hmm. product experts themselves. So I think those are the two biggest problems. But then um, taking it back one more scale level too is, is not understanding um, really what your TAM looks like. So going from a, a total addressable market down to a total serviceable market and then down to your target market, right? And being able to see what that entire market's going to look like when you actually begin to plan your strategy and then execute on that content. So in summation, it's really um, a lack of buyer intent uh, topics uh, going too broad, too top of funnel, too early not having deep, rich content that's unique and compelling, um, and then not understanding really how you need to 
work your way up to that top of funnel content from the bottom. Yeah. And, and you really make me think about like, you know, 10, maybe even longer, 15 years ago, you used to be able to get away with just like spray and pray. It's like, Hey, we were, we were mm. producing some sort of content and that was enough. Like we're in the game. It didn't really matter if that content was good or, you know, specific or really helpful. It was just, Hey, we're creating content and churning it out on a regular basis. Uh, and I think that has really changed. Uh, and you do have to create quality interesting content and really think about uh your audience and i think that that has changed so much not just with the, the search engines but just in general i think people's expectations of the content they're going to read because there's so much of it it's overwhelming yeah. they want to read a good piece of content that that uh is helpful helpful and i'm sure you've seen the same thing uh how has that affected seo over these years that you know content just has to be i don't know if it has to be longer but it has to be better <laughs> Yeah, be better is better is key, right? Like you mentioned, spray and pray. So it's like imagine you're playing a game of chess, right? If you're just moving pieces around on the board, like that's not a strategy. You're just, you're just right, pieces, right? And like, like you may win sometimes, but it's yeah. it's going against anyone who knows what they're doing, right? Who like you take chess players, you know, you take someone who just knows how to move the pieces. You go one level of that, you start to learn a few tactics, right? Like how to understand like pinning, things like that. And you take it all the way up to how to actually like plan openings, middle game, end game, right? Like having that all together is real strategy. And in terms of quality, like, yeah, it's, I don't think it's anything to do with length. It that, That's like when we work with writers, we always tell them like, we don't, I don't care about word length. I care about, yeah. like, have you said what needs to be said? And is it, and is it like deep and rich and unique? And when you go deep and rich and unique, it's also very hard for people to to copy you and and mimic mm -hmm. you, um, especially if the other company's writers are like just sort of googling their way to figure out how to you know write the content itself. You know, end up kind of copying yours and inadvertently end up positioning you as a as a as a as a good alternative. But yeah, that used to work, but now like there's such a cacophony, right? Of like mm -hmm. all this content out there that we, you know what it's like whenever you read a piece and you're like, yes, this was, this was like, this is bookmarkable, right? Like I'm going to save this to pocket. I'm going to save this to the raindrop <laughs> or whatever. Right. Or I'm going to, you know, like that's when people click on the share button. Right. Like other than that, like right. no one else ever clicks on top 10, you know, ideas for sales meetings, right? No one shares that because it's, it's not helpful. It's not insightful. It's uh, it's just, it's very superficial. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I teach, I help facilitate a digital marketing bootcamp as well. And one of the things that we tell the students, and I don't want them to get overwhelmed by this, but is, is to, you know, create the best answer on the internet. Mm -hmm. Right. And that can be kind of intimidating, but that really is your goal. Yep. Um, it, it, you know, is to create one an answer and then two create an answer that's better than others. And so that may dictate the length of the the article. That may dictate how specific you get, or how much you know, sort of rich content you want to add uh, in there. But I think that's the, the the big shift. And you know, like you said, it doesn't really matter the length, but it's like, are you answering that question? And then the other thing you said too is is read. Like, I skim everything, right? Mm -hmm. And you, the ones that you read are the ones that you skim, and you're like, oh, there's really good stuff here. I need to get everything I can out of that. That's the type of content I'm assuming uh, th that people should be uh, creating rather than just like, okay, well, we did 5,000 words and that not that great. Yeah. Uh, so 
you know, I, I, what, are you, what are your thoughts on, you know, assuming most users on the internet skim, how do we get them to engage or how do we get them to read that content or take a further interest in it? So I think not making your, like having interesting headings, like your H2s and stuff um, is helpful. Mm. They, really, they really give insight into the meat that you're about to cover in, you know, that section um, and not just sort of copying the headings that you're seeing on the other top ranking posts. Like we've consistently seen over and over again, like, like you can use the top ranking posts as a indicator of like table stakes arguments that need to be covered, like table stake topics, but you can always arrange them and make them more product focused or more business focused, whatever, you know, that you're focused on to, uh, to make them look unique. Right. And so like making that stand out and then having, um, I think in the very beginning of your articles, if you can show right off the bat that this is not going to be fluff, mm. people are more likely to say, okay, like, this may continue to follow, right? It's like standard copywriting, right? Like the whole, the point of every sentence is get someone to read the next sentence. So taking that approach from the get-go would be important. Um, I like what you said about, you know, like creating the best answer. And I think like that can be taken a step further too, where not only creating the best answer, but taking or creating the best answer for the right reader. Um, right. And like with the ultimate goal being to create the best piece of content. So that isn't always just, the answer, right? That's the way that's, that's the way you answer it, who you answer it for and how you present it um, in terms of like format, right? So we're always thinking about things like, okay, we've just said something complicated. Can we, can we give some sort of visual framework to this, right? Can like, what else can we add to this to make this a more enjoyable experience? Whether thinking about like, are they reading this on mobile? You know, like we can't, you know, maybe you don't have a sidebar. You can't fit a sidebar table of contents on mobile if it's a really long piece, right? Maybe you need to put it where it sticks at the top. They can drop it down. So there's the other like design factors. I think they get that get brought into, but all of that is just icing on the cake. If you don't, you know, it, you still got to have like actual good answers and content. So I think if you start it with one showing it's not not going to be light, and two showing that you specifically understand that person's problem. Like imagine you go to read an article. And it's talking about something that you like viscerally feel as a problem in your day-to-day -day work, right? You're like, this is written for me. I'm much yeah. more likely to read that than something that's talking about just, you know, those broad kind of level intros that are either saying aphorisms or cliches or just things that I'm like, yes, of course, like this is, this is, it's just, it's just, um, it's not enticing. So. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's really interesting. So we we do a lot of paid ads, paid ad advertising mm -hmm. management, and and sometimes we'll talk to clients or we'll talk to you know even potential customers, and they're like nobody clicks on ads, right? And and so something that you said that is kind of specific uh, that I relate to as well is people click on ads when it's like relate and it's like written yeah. for them. It's like that's yep. the problem I'm having. I'm going to click on that ad, and so they don't click on ads right? Just any old ad that's there. They click on the one that like speaks to them and solves their problem. Uh, and so I'm kind of curious and because, you know, we spend a fair bit of time creating personas, avatars, and, you know, diving into those and thinking about the specific ads and campaigns and modes that people are in. I'm assuming you're doing that for content as well. And, and you know, for, for a client, you know, how many, how many personas would you create for creating like a content schedule or content strategy? Yeah. So it's going to, it depends on the size of the business, right? I mean, and, sure. and like what all they sell. I mean, it's going to be different for um, a niche product 
like e-com company or niche B2B versus a an REI or, you know, a HubSpot even, right? Like they kind of hit a, a bunch of different areas. But uh, so personas are going to vary. I think the way to look at it is to say, okay, like pull in analytics data, pull in CRM data, um, go talk to the sales, um, to, to people on, on the sales teams, go talk to customer service reps. Um, if it's a smaller business, talk like whoever is having like interfacing time with, with customers or, um, or leads, talk to them and figure out from them, like, okay, like who spends the most money, who's a delight to work with, who just gets it, like, who's an advocate for you. Um, if you could clone these people, like, who are they, right? Like build up a repository of who those people are first, um, then like put them in, in aggregate and start to figure out what the other traits are around them that maybe weren't like initially surfaced, like whether it's demographics or age or title, like titles, like probably one of the best ones to look at. Um, use that to build your personas for your like ideal target customer. Um, don't focus on building out like, you know, what would be your middle funnel or top of funnel personas of, you know, someone that you could eventually convert six months down the road. Maybe if you have attribution figured out correctly through email marketing, right? Like focus on your, on your, on your IDCs first, um, clone them, replicate them, try to reach them in mass. And the rest of it can kind of come in after the fact, because you gotta, you gotta like become profitable and, and everything else first. Right. So, um, yeah, so I wouldn't really put a, like a cap on like how many it needs to be. I sure, put it more sure. on um, identifying high, how many IDCs there are and really going deep and getting FaceTime with uh, sales and or customer service. And then if if you like that, um, or if you like if you don't have all that of it really available, like go get FaceTime with the customers yourself. Start doing surveys. Start doing product call. You know, like um, calls with them and stuff like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a, it's a sort of an easy thing to do to, you know, talk to customers, but I don't yeah, see a lot enough, see enough companies yeah. really doing that. Uh, and it provides so much insight and, and value. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a ton. Yeah. Like, I, you know, it is like, I'm sure you've used tool, tools before that um, I've been on plenty of product calls with companies where they ask me things and it's like, we all have our own specific problems too. And um, if you hear like that same problem, or that same sort of theme come up like say three times like all right go write content about that then you know because like <laughs> it, that, that's that's indicative that it applies to more people so it's not scientific yeah. necessarily but it's better than spray and pray right yeah absolutely uh and, and so earlier you, you talked a little bit about buyer intent and, and going after that and you know something that that we do and, and coach our clients on is is to not like you know get too wrapped up in like the top of the funnel before you kind of captured the bottom of the funnel, right? Like there's a lot of intent with search ads and, you know, retargeting. We're not even, before we get to like addressing the bigger market and going after like this huge opportunity, why don't we capture the ones that are like the low hanging fruit? Yeah. Um, so is that kind of where you start as well as you're like, go after the buyer intent, prove out that this works. You know, it's a, it's a high likelihood that it will convert and then expand out into newer markets and newer areas. Uh, with different and and sounds like specific content for those personas. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, especially like any startup really too, like um, startups can't afford to go after top of funnel, right? The way the big brands right. do, the big brands have already established that, right? Like they have the ability to be much more like to be more, much more focused on brand awareness. Um, mm -hmm. At bottom of funnel, you have the, like, you have to be able to convert someone very quickly. Um, and like, it's, it's just more critical to you as a business if you're gonna survive, right? So flesh out the bottom of the funnel first, work your way back. Um, 
And like, so like our approach to like keyword research, like, because we're doing this within the context of like say SEO is to, we actually still want to capture everything related to the total addressable market, but then segment it down. Hmm. Um, because there's sometimes where you'll find that some top of funnel topics that can sometimes be a bit easier to go after, um, um, you know, just, or, or even from a paid search standpoint where they're cheaper to go after, you actually find like when we do these topic clusters that there are buying intent, um, like keywords that exist, that should exist on that top of funnel page. And so sometimes that's a way to kind of have a mixture of both worlds where you're able to say, run a page, create a page, run cheaper ads to it. Um, but it has some buying intent um, baked into it within the article itself. So you, it's almost like where you get the entire funnel, but within one article. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, so I like to focus on that. And, you know, from there, yeah, you can work your way back and start thinking about, okay, how are we going to segment out, you know, email campaigns to actually get the conversion values that we want from it? Cause that's a whole nother like battle to fight, you know, not only getting signups, but also getting people to open it and click through it and so on and so forth. Like your conversion rate on just focus on bottom funnel is going to be, way higher and way more lucrative from a resource yeah. standpoint than trying to bring them through the funnel through email. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm kind of curious as you, as you're working with different businesses, what are some of the constraints that you, that you face and some of the challenges, uh, that maybe they have that you have to work with? Um, play some of the, if they are, um, it depends on like what stage they're in. So it's usually either they're trying to, they need more conversions. They more, need more demos, more signups, right? Again, so that's where you apply. Like content's there to relieve constraints, right? So like you create content, that's your strategy. You figure out what are the business problems, right? Because everything's a subset of business strategy. So what, what are the problems of the business? And then what type of content you, can you use to alleviate those constraints, right? So if the constraint is we need more, um, you know, converting free users to paid users, that's a different sort of constraint than getting more free users, right? Um, I think Jimmy Daly was talking about this and um, it's either Jimmy or Ryan Law from Animals um, uh, prior to Jimmy, um, certain superpath was talking about, you know, if you look at like Grammarly, right? Like Grammarly doesn't need more free users. Grammarly needs free <laughs> users to convert to paid, right? Yeah. Um, whereas maybe a tool like, um, uh, like ClickUp, for example, like a project management tool, like they're still sort of growing. So like they need more, like more brand awareness they're trying to like come up against uh, Asana and things like that. I still think they should still focus more on bottom of funnel, but try to convert those people to paid users from that. Right. Um, but yeah, those are, so those are the primary constraints is like, do you need more paid users? Do you need more brand awareness? Um, or do you need sales enabled material? Like is it the constraint trying to, you know, you're getting plenty of people on the calls, but you're not, um, you're not able to convert them. Well, maybe you need to figure out like what sort of case studies do you need to, convince them, um, you know, why you're better, you know, build out, uh, content, to, to support the sales team. Um, and then other ones might be things like, um, looking at like, like product comparison and stuff like that. It's just all about what differentiates you and, uh, whether again, you need more paid or more awareness. So. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm always surprised by how many, how many companies aren't really aware of that, that, you know, they kind of look at it as like, we need more marketing. Right? We need more SEO. We need more PPC. We need more content. And what actually they need is like, you know, better conversions on their existing leads, right? They need to be, you know, yeah. following up to those leads faster. Uh, and like you said, it's, you know, maybe you don't need more free user. You can't just keep filling up the funnel if the, you know, bottleneck is really, really tight. 
and companies can't get through there. You don't need to fill up the top of the funnel. You're just creating a, a, another problem. So, you know, it's interesting how, you know, we've seen a lot of startups and, you know, quite often they're, they're driven by like really smart engineering people and people that are very focused on their business. And then they forget about the marketing like, oh, well, let's go get some marketing. And they see it yeah. as like one thing when it's when it's so many different things that needs to be integrated with, you know, with product and understanding sales and how the sales um, you know, funnel goes after the marketing uh, piece. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you see a lot of the same uh, same thing uh, as well with your clients. Yeah, I mean, something funny you said when you're talking about like, yeah, well, they don't need more free users because while the users may get the product for free, like it still costs the company money because servers right. are not free, right? Yeah. So like, like that can only scale, um, you know, so well. I mean, again, like if you're if if you're just a massive company like Google, Google can do that, right? Like because they're Google. Sure. Um, you know, Asana, like maybe not, right? Like Asana is large, but it's still ultimately better for them to convert some of their free users into paid, right? Because it still takes up database, um, you know, storage space, things like that, and customer service resources and everything else. Um, yeah, no, we see it a lot of times where they'll start, uh, they either get too focused on the product itself and they're trying to find ways to tweak it and we run into this like we we've made this mistake ourselves internally with some of the stuff that we've developed where you know we continually want to iterate and make it better but you know at what cost right like okay yeah we can improve speed or performance but does that translate into revenue right so we might look at ways mm -hmm. of saving costs but it's far it's far easier a lot of times to actually figure out how to make that much more money than it is to save that amount of money um instead right. so um, you know, those are things that I think that all companies need to think about too, whenever they're, when they're going after it. And that's where marketing and sales comes in because yeah, you can put not, not, not that engineering is not important, right? Like have your product, um, like working well, it needs to be like stable and, and, sure. and solving problems. But, um, there's a certain point where like the only way that's going to be sustainable is if you have people coming in, you're able to get that feedback and that's what marketing and sales does versus, uh, continually investing in, in engineering, um, Again, it's still important. It has to be balanced. You don't want to lose your engineers, but uh, but at the same time, you got to be able to drive customers so that you can pay your engineers. So yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the thing. You know, I'd like to see more startups thinking about or creating the plan for sales and marketing sooner, or attempting to yeah. sell the product a little bit sooner before it's ready. Uh, I think that you know, in in work, you know, we kind of fall back on what we know, especially when things get stressful. And so when you're not seeing those sales. If you're an engineer or a developer, you're going to go back to developing and making the yeah. product better because yeah. you don't understand marketing and that's okay. You know, for me, I wouldn't go back to the product. I'd just start marketing and selling it more, right? Because that's what I know. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a human element here that that drives that that problem as well. Yeah, I think, you know, it's really, it's not a good idea to... You know, try to continually work on a product if you don't know that you actually have like a product market fit for it, right? <laughs> right. So like, <laughs> you, like you need to make sure unless it's a hobby. Like, well, that's if you if it doesn't, then it's a hobby, right? And so I mean, if that's if sure. that's what you do because you enjoy, it, then sure, right? But that's not a business. You better find um, some money elsewhere. Yeah, you better get yeah, paid exactly. Somewhere. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so I can imagine that like managing and organizing content is a real problem because i see that all the time like you know how do you schedule it how do you manage it how do you distribute it how do you get it out there uh, and make sure that it's going out in a timely fashion and the other thing that i'm always telling clients too is is it's gonna take time and you got to be persistent so i don't want them to give up 
is there a way to be more efficient with this stuff or like effective in how you organize it and, and prioritize different topics? Yeah. Yeah, there are. I mean, both from a planning standpoint and an operational standpoint. So what we've like, one thing that we've worked on a lot is with our topic clustering models, like rather like, so like the standard way, like approach to keyword research, like we need, like it's kind of like the foundation of planning content, right? Or like an editorial calendar is to go out there and say, okay, like what do people search for? All right, here are these topics. Maybe they try to group them together in some sort of way that makes sense to them, which usually isn't very like, it's more of a gut feeling versus scientific. And so you end up like with cannibalization down the road or yet two different pages compete with one another. And, but like the end product is like, they pick these topics, uh, they go plan them out, they go write them. But if you leave out customer research and if you leave out like how to scientifically like actually group these together, you're still shooting in the dark. And so what we focus on is collect everything right possible, right? Like, so again, like taking that TAM approach where depending on the industry, it may be 25,000 keywords. It may be 5 million keywords, who knows? Um, pull everything in. We have a, a clustering algorithm that will group all this stuff together. But then we built in a prioritization score on it that's personalized based on the um, on the company itself, where it sorts it in an order that balances um, like the high impact, like what's most valuable to work on with the cool. amount of effort it's going to take. So that way you can kind of find like your quick wins um, with existing content. And then once you've exhausted that, um, even within that, you would want to segment that down to say, OK, within the high impact, low effort, like what's bottom of funnel, right? And start there. And, and work your way through that way. Um, and then eventually when you wanna go into new content, like you can do prioritization based on on, on kind of pure value there. But uh, so that's the first step is to figure out, okay, like high impact, low effort. Um, and the second would be like operationally, if you are resource strapped or you are trying to plan and, and, and get things out quickly, like you can't afford to not do the bottom funnel stuff because like, well, the, the one great thing about it is if you focus more on the quality, yeah, you produce less content, but it gets you better results. So mm -hmm. if you kind of just abandon the idea that traffic is a success indicator, right? instead focus on revenue and conversions, whether that's demo calls, book, signups, paid people, people adding product to cart, buying, right? Like if you focus on that as your success metric, um, you can produce far less content and get more value out of it, which makes the operational side of things like actually managing that process significantly easier because there's less content going out, but it's driving more value. So like when we've talked to people before, like, uh, you know, maybe they're used to producing eight pieces per month, 10 pieces per month or whatever. And we're like, yeah, we're going to probably drop that down to like three or four at, at most. And there's sometimes I'll, you know, they kind of throws them for a shot because they're like, that, that just doesn't seem like a lot. And I'm like, well, how's, how's that current approach working for you? Right. Like go yeah. look at your analytics, look at that content. How's it converting? Right. Like you can, so we can produce less and, and make more money or you can produce more and not make as much money. And <laughs> there's not much of an, you know, like the argument kind of makes yeah. itself after that. So, but yeah, that definitely helps things operationally is when you focus down on, on a higher quality, but fewer pieces. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the way you just said it there is a, is a great way to like sell it to, to clients, obviously. Uh, but I think we get, you know, hooked on, oh, well, we produce eight pieces of content. You know, that's what we do. That's our plan. That's how we're going to do this. Um, but when you look at those pieces of content, if they are, you know, too fluffy, or there's not anything in them, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to go anywhere. 
and so you know we we really focus on impact like where can we drive impact yeah. where can we make things happen uh very much in the same way that that, that you do because you know, if you're going to do these things and create them and not drive revenue that's fine if you are like you said a big company but if you're not you're trying to get traction and try to get started you need to hit the low-hanging fruit you need to you know, do things that drive real revenue because that revenue comes obviously back into the business. You can reinvest uh, and drive forward. So uh, I think, the, you know, you've made some really great points. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are, and there's a big question, but uh, on, on what the future of content is. Obviously, it's evolved over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. There's so much content out there. You know, what do you see as the future of, of content marketing going forward? I think for the most part, it's really going to be like other than different platforms. So say like video and things like that, you know, I think um, that's, that's still like a very uh, like untapped market for most, um, for most brands that, because uh, it takes a lot more effort. It's not, you know, you can't just produce them every week um, necessarily unless you have like a full dedicated team to it. But I think, um, I think there's a lot of feature there. Um, I think there's a lot of feature on um, like various like social media as well, but even within search, I don't think much is going to change there other than the fact that Google will continue to get better at servicing higher quality content. Um, and I don't think that it's going to be a rat race there because like, just fundamentally, I don't, I don't see uh, like human beings are like, we, we always take the easiest path, right? So like, like laziness is like this inherent virtue, <laughs> like in human. So yeah. I think as long, I think as long as that maintains, like, it's it's uh there's not much that's going to change on google i mean we've been able to write stuff that like ranked up there with hubspot when we were like a brand new company and it's like cool yeah okay well if we can do that then like there's clearly not enough other people out there that are really focused on you know high quality content so and i don't i really don't think that's gonna i don't think that's gonna change i think to me people are gonna try to chase some like easy way outs and things like that but so yeah yeah no for sure. So, you know, it sounds like, you know, quality content is key. I mean, you, you said that from the start of the, the chat today. Uh, I'm curious what your advice would be for the SaaS companies that are failing with content. You know, what, what sort of things should, should they be doing? Uh, if you can kind of summarize that. Yeah. So in summary, um, go into your analytics, look at your current content, see what's converting the most. Like, so like if you sort your pages by uh, sessions, uh, just export that in the data studio onto a CSV and just go through and look to see like, uh, not percentage based, but like what's driving the most uh, conversions. So if you, well, first off, if you don't have conversion set up, set that up, but go see what pages are driving the most conversions, figure out what the intent is behind those pages and go figure out what other pages you can write that follow that same intent. Hmm. And then when it comes to the creation of that content, um, don't just hire freelancers or have in-house writers just go write this that don't, have some sort of exposure uh, to product experts, like have product experts involved in that process of creating the content because they're going to have unique ideas that are compelling and argumentative of why they're better than X other thing. Um, so yeah, def get product experts involved and focus on your bottom of funnel, higher, like high converting buyer intent type keywords. Awesome. I think it's so interesting because, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of similarities between what we're doing. I mean, we're looking for that like quick win with an ad. Right. And it yep. does cost money. Uh, the, the downside of obviously paid traffic is that when you turn it off, it just goes away versus content is like an investment over time. It's going to take you some time and it will take some money to get you there, but it's more of a hustle play and it takes time. But once it's there, 
it's yes. foundational. It's not just going to go away. So, you know, I think both have their merits, but a lot of the similar tactics uh, that we're talking about, you know, getting high buyer intent, going for low hanging fruit uh, is very similar uh, in digital marketing. So, uh, well, Skylar, was yeah, go ahead. Content, the content works well with paid ads too, right? Yeah, you for just sure. create right. it, run paid ads to it, right? And help yeah. help get metrics on it as you're building up its authority to get it ranked organically. So it they can go hand in hand, definitely. Absolutely, absolutely. Skylar, it was great to have you uh, on the the live here today. Uh, it was great speaking with you. I love uh, all the tips and, and uh, tricks that you shared, and I appreciate, uh, you, like I said, you coming on here. Where can uh, where can people find you, follow you, check out your company? Learn more uh, about you. Yeah, um, you can com is the website. Um, you can search for my name, Skylar Reeves, on LinkedIn or Twitter. Those are the only two platforms I'm ever really on. Um, uh, yeah, I'd say either go to those two but uh, or the website itself. But, uh, but yeah, no, thanks, Mike, for having me on. It was a, it was a good chat. It was my first LinkedIn live. So glad, uh, awesome. glad to get to do this. So, yeah, it was awesome. It's, it's really interesting. You know, you have a much more unique name. You can be found, you know, my name is like being John Smith. <laughs> yeah. So when people search for me, they might get a million yeah. people. Yeah. You have your specific handles up there and URLs to your LinkedIn for people to find you. So yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, and we'll talk soon. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you coming on today. Thanks, Mike. Cheers. Bye, everyone.